Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. I like the sound of that. Hi everybody, this is Star Wars Fun for Everyone, especially me. I am your host, Tom Sutton. Woohoo! Yeah, I'm going to talk about The Mandalorian right now. Um, this was a really good episode. Like, uh, it, um, just so much to talk about in it. Uh, lots of fun stuff. Some good um, kind of uh, progress in the overall story. Uh, some just cheesy stuff, which we'll get to, of course, um, but overall, just a really fun time. And then two big um, season finale episodes of The Bad Batch. Wow. Yeah, really, really good as well. So let's go. Mandalorian, this is uh, chapter 21, I think, called The Pirate. Obviously, uh, Pirate King Gorian Shard was set up. In the first episode episode of the season, he's um, back with his. Um, <laughs> there's some kind of pirate lingo thing I should say here, but anyway, his gang, his crew, um, they've decided to pick on Navarro to try to maybe turn that into a uh, base of operations for themselves. And um, Grief Karga reaches out. Not to his buddy Din Djarin at first, but to the New Republic. Now, Navarro is an independent system. It's not part of the New Republic. So they don't really have any right to any kind of help, but he reaches out for help anyway. And um, he reaches out to Carson Teva, who is... He's still like... what? Oh, I just love him. He's one of my favorite, uh, I, I guess you know not minor characters but you know one of my favorite uh, characters that gets a bit less screen time in the Mandalorian he just screams Star Wars to me like when you think of the um, the original X-Wing and Y-Wing pilots in A New Hope I really liked that, that like it wasn't a bunch of like um, granite jawed, like good looking dudes out to save the universe. It really looked like a bunch of just average Joes who were um, doing what they thought were was right. And he has that vibe to me totally. Um, so his look, his performance, I like his sense of kind of, um, yeah, like caring about doing the right thing more than following the rules. Like you get to see that in the Ice Spiders episode where he and um, Trapper Wolf let Din go because of, uh, you know, his good behavior kind of outweighed his bad in a way. That was good, yeah. So um, you get to see him at what is called, the, what is it, the Adelphi something or other, Garrus, I don't know, like it's... Basically, it's uh, an outpost for these rangers. Uh, these rangers of the New Republic. <laughs> um, so this, it, it, this kind of caused me to kind of reflect a bit on myself as a Star Wars fan. As you're kind of coming in to this, uh, to this outpost and you see the Y-Wings parked there and stuff and... Like, I'm just instantly into it. As soon as I see X-Wings or Y-Wings, I'm like, 
I'm sold already. <laughs> so, I just feel like, ah, this is awesome. You know, um, yeah, so it's a bit of a cheat in a way. Uh, but I just, I thought that looked cool. Um, we head in, we go to, it's basically, you know, the, uh, the, the bar outpost. And, um, yeah, we get uh, Carson Teva, you know, watching this message from Grief Karga. And um, just a few points. Number one, bartender, not speaking basic, had subtitles, loved it. Fantastic. More of that. Um, another thing, Deborah Chow was sitting at the bar. <laughs> I haven't seen anyone mention that yet online. Uh, but yeah, she was uh, recognizable as one of the bar patrons. Hi, Deborah. Um, there's one kind of, there's a, kind of an establishing shot of the inside of the bar. And again, like sometimes there are shot, shots like that that just aren't quite the, like the cinema look that I like. And that was an example. And on second watch, I wondered if it might be because one of the pilots is very obviously standing and talking to nobody. <laughs> and um, I was like, what the hell? It's like the dude sta just standing and talking to empty space. And I, I, I figure there are two, uh, two potential answers as to why he was doing that. Now, um, before I give my two potential answers, we have to, of course, mention that None other than Zeb from Rebels turns up for the first time in live action. And, like, I'm on record as not liking Zeb. I thought, I just think, like, I don't think the design is good. And I think, like, his outfit is it's very, like, pink and purple or, like, or, I don't know. It's just very like, pastel colors or something. I just thought it was a bad design. And then... Um, Master, Master Jaro Tapol from Fallen Order. I can't stand him either because he's kind of a dick. Like, obviously, like, there are, there's footage of him in the game where it's not him. It's like, it's kind of a rep, a, 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 an unpleasant representation of his memory in Cal's kind of mind, I suppose. But he is kind of a dick as well in Cal's memories of him. And I don't like, the, you know, in that Clone Wars era, the way Jedi wear, like, bits and pieces of armor. I never liked that. And I just, ugh, I just thought, no, nah, I, I don't like that, uh, that particular Star Wars species. I'm just not into it. Well, it's always a pleasure when there's something in Star Wars that I, uh, I don't like to see it represented or brought back or reiterated in a way that makes me like it. And this is definitely a case. Zeb turns up in a, in a flight suit. He looked awesome. He looked fantastic. I just, I thought he looked great. The voice was cool. I liked that it was a more subdued portrayal of the character. I think Rebels being a cartoon, Reb's a, uh, Reb, Zeb, he's often, you know, this kind of, a bit of this like cartoonish kind of like, Oh, I'm a big bloke. Oh, God. Oh, get out of there, Ezra. Don't touch my stuff. And, you know, this kind of thing. And I just, I thought his whole vibe in this very quick scene was f just fantastic. Um, 
Now, going back to the guy talking to nobody, I have to assume that he was supposed to be talking to Zeb there. And so why wasn't Zeb there? I reckon there's two answers, two potential answers for that. Number one, it costs a lot to do Zeb. <laughs> so they just took him out. Option number two, they felt like uh, it's a bit obvious that it's, that it's him, even though he would have been facing away from the camera. You're kind of spoiling the, the reveal a little bit of, of, uh, of the character. So we really want his, real, his introduction to be when he sidles up to the bar and talks to Captain uh, Teva. So they took him out so, so as not to spoil the surprise. I'm leaning towards the second one, actually. But it's still weird that that one guy is talking to nobody. Um, yeah. Uh, we get this cool scene where Carson Teva goes to the Republic on... I guess he's on Coruscant? Yeah, he, he must be. He's on Coruscant. He chats to this um, guy from the, from the New Republic. The guy is well-meaning, wants to help, but it's just like... Dude, like we can't even cover the requests for help that we get from member systems. We can't like send people out to the, the outer rim to a planet who hasn't even joined the New Republic. Like we just can't do it. Um, understandable, really. But uh, cool to see um, Elias Kane back. Um, Alex from Star Wars Explained did point out, like, she did fry a guy's brain. How did they not notice that or not know that it was her? Maybe she turned it down again at the end and then he came out of it and they just went like, oh, yeah, he's a bit, um, he's a bit spacey, but uh, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe she got away with it somehow. But it's nice, uh, kind of interesting to see uh, Captain Teva's kind of suspicion of her because he can see that she is a you know a reformed ex-imperial uh so that's cool um but yeah good scene um that uh, guy that administrator's droid was fun he's like don't put that stuff there it's my workspace and the droid just dumps the stuff anyway gotta love a sassy uh sassy astromech um, yeah, so that was cool. So Carson Teva goes to, um, what, you know, dinosaur, dino planet where the Mandalorian covert is. And yeah, I, it's, it's kind of cool. Like, I, I mean, I guess like I, I, I did realize that, um, you know, because if you remember in season one, those Mandalorians were living in the sewers and they basically said like, we can't have more than one of us at a time out like on the streets to be seen because we don't want people to know how many of us there are. We don't want people to know that there's a whole community of us living here because we are constantly in danger. So they basically say like, okay, you've tracked us down. Uh, I, you know, we have to move the covert or kill you basically. Um, and it's fun that he used R5 uh, to track them down. Um, but, that, yeah, they have this, this, you know, this decision to make. Din, of course, is like, well, grief's my man. I've got to go help him, you know. Um, 
And I, I like that uh, fireside cave scene, actually. Um, if you take the kids out of that group of Mandos with their, like, $5 Mando outfits with the terrible helmets, that group of Mandos looks way cooler. And, yeah, in a cave in firelight, very cool also. Um, so I like that. I like the... Um, the bait and switch of um, Paz Vizsla looking like he's gonna do his typical thing and be like, "We let's not do what he says," you know. Um, but actually, turn it around and go on. No, it's, we do the right thing because that's who we are. Um, so that was cool. Um, yeah. And that launches us... Oh, I, I forgot to mention, in that opening scene when you've got um, this uh, communication between Pirate King Gorian Shard, I like to refer to him by his full name, and Grief Karga. Like, um, what do they call them? Holo... Holo... There's a, some... Anyway, the, ho the holographic telephone... Um, that's been there obviously since A New Hope and like I got to say sometimes the movies and the shows get it really get the look of those things really right and sometimes they miss the mark a bit for me um, this uh, seeing like Gorian Shard's big face like the amount of distortion and stuff on it and everything it was great it, that to me I just felt like bam Star Wars Star Wars goodness oh baby yeah, um, less good was grief leading the the townspeople out to safety. It like I don't know if this is a byproduct of uh, really wanting to keep production completely on the volume, but I mean it's a whole city. Shouldn't there be thousands of people? It seemed like it was like maybe a hundred people, which yeah doesn't match what the city looks like. Um. yeah it would be cool if they could occasionally just go like alright we gotta go to, uh, out on location on this we gotta get you know we gotta fork out for the 400 extras or whatever to make this look as big as it should hmm. but anyway we get this cool plan where Din's gonna distract them and draw off the, the, the snub fighters uh, Bo-Katan, again, going even further up the charts with an amazing performance in this episode. I loved her in this episode. Wow. Um, I'm actually going to buy, I got to buy a Black Series figure of her now, I decided. Um, but yeah, she drops the other Mandos. We get that, that shot from, that we saw in the, in the trailer and it's fucking awesome. Love it. Um, yeah, drops, so she drops them out of her gauntlet. And then she attacks the uh, the Corsair, the pirate, the pirate main, the main pirate ship. Um, you got a wacky Ugnaught, uh, first in command or whatever, first mate. He's all right, I guess. Uh, Vane's back. I don't know if he's really good or not. Really, I don't know. There's something about him that doesn't super land for me, but whatever. Um, yeah, so. I would say the air combat stuff was really good. 
the N1 continues to just mm, kicking goals, man. What a ship. The gauntlet, again, kicking goals. Loved it. Um, yeah, so the, the ground assault. Yeah, mostly it was really good. I just sometimes there's like a, one of the pirate extras is just holding their gun wrong or like like I'm not sure that the the, the spatial kind of relationship between you know because they get there's a bunch of them get boxed in at one point where pirates come up behind them. I feel like like visually that could have been represented better to get to give you like a that a moment where you kind of like they're like blazing forward and then you get this shot over their shoulders, maybe in slow motion where the pirates just stride out behind them and right, raise their guns just to get that feeling of like, oh no, they haven't fucking covered their asses, you know? Um, so that was pretty cool. I liked that the, the, um, the Kowakian monkey lizards are <laughs> like helping the Mandalorians were saying, watch out, there's, uh, there's people behind here. Um, we get another slightly unrealistic but pretty cool bit of the the armorer just serving dudes with the hammers. That was pretty good. Um, yeah, but I think like that the air combat stuff was my favorite part of that section. Um, yeah, Gorinchard goes down in flames. Yeah, good. Um, Yeah, I like that. I think it's a really cool idea, you know, because that's where we met that particular covert on Navarro. It's great that they can return, have somewhere to live um, a bit more permanently and out in the open. That feels really good. Um, and it's good for Navarro too. That's a dangerous bunch of people you got on your planet. They're not a lot of people going to be trying to fuck with them <laughs> uh, in the near future probably after this um yeah now we get this um very interesting kind of uh epilogue where captain teva is out you know doing his ranger thing and he finds a lambda class shuttle floating dead in dead, dead in space he sees that the hull has been breached he calls it in um Cool little thing. It's so cool when they like take something that you're very familiar with and show it doing something that you haven't seen it do before. So, I mean, you if you are familiar with The Empire Strikes Back, you know that R2, when he like falls into the swamp, when Luke lands his X-Wing, he puts that little um, sensor thing up to see where he's going. It's very cute. So we see um, Carson Teva's astromech droid launch that little thing it's detachable apparently and it's a sensor probe so he sends that probe into the shuttle and again i just want i want to shut it out like so, like one of my biggest complaints about this show from day one was that i just didn't think it looked cinematic enough sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't and i know that kind of ran contrary to a lot of people's response to it people were like from the beginning like i can't believe how good it looks it looks like a movie blah blah, blah. big chunks of it do but i think uh, there was always like in most episodes of season one there was enough non-cinematic stuff to bother me a bit um i thought 
chapter two was like that episode looks killer. And then in season two, I felt like overall I had not much to complain about in that department. Um, so, yeah, when they do nail stuff visually, I always want to mention it because um, I want to be, you know, let's celebrate the good stuff. Um, the shot of that probe going through that shuttle with these, you know, the debris floating through the air and these kind of frozen corpses looked incredible and what is it is it the the dust particles and hanging in um in zero gravity that do it what was it about those shots that really sold those that the look of that look of those shots for me i don't know anyway it just it looked super cool um yeah they find a fragment of best car embedded in the hull which makes them say, what the hell does that mean? Oh, yeah, by the way, it's, it is the craft that was transporting Moff Gideon, meaning that Gideon has escaped. But, yeah, what is, uh, they find this fragment of Beskar. What does that mean? Does that mean um, Mandalorians broke Moff Gideon out? What would that, what's the point of that? So, you know, you might remember that um, Bo-Katan's gang... Um, kind of like left her because she no longer had the Darksaber. And she said they were out working as mercenaries. Maybe he hired them to bust him out. In which case, when she goes out to try to reunite people, go she's going to find them in the employ of, Graham, of uh, Moff Gideon, which won't go down very well with anyone back on Navarro. Um, yeah, which uh, makes me realize I forgot a whole very important chunk. So after they liberate Navarro... Um, Bo-Katan is uh, summoned by the armorer and you get this um, interesting scene. I am still not exactly sure how to read this. It'll be interesting to hear people's uh, response to this on the podcasts. But yeah, basically, um, she tells Bo-Katan to remove her helmet, which is very uh, counter to everything she's ever said before in the show. Um, but she basically explains, like, you have walked the way of, you know, our way, the, the, the traditionalists, the children of the watch. But you've also been out there living the more modern Mandalorian life. Still one of the, you know, the people, you know, because she's ex-Death Watch, man, believing that, you know, the, the way of the warrior is the way. Um, but yeah, so she's been in this, uh, in both, she's walked both ways basically. And so basically she's saying, take your helmet off. We'll accept that because we got to accept that. Cause if we don't all come together, we're never going to survive. So perhaps we can say, if you're Mandalorian and you don't want to wear your helmet all the time, okay, that's fine. You don't have to do it. Every, not, it doesn't have to be the same for every single person. So I think she's saying, yeah, go out there. You, you know, maybe they are going to not be very open to the, to kind of coming together. If you come to them as a children, uh, as a member of the Children of the Watch, c come to them with your helmet off, 
um, so they don't think you're a nut job, <laughs> basically. And uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, interesting. I think it's going to be cool to see. And again, man, like, I don't know, Bo-Katan is just rocking, just, just doing so great. Thank God they changed the hairstyle from um, her appearance in season two. She just looks so cool now. Yeah, I got to get that figure. <laughs> yeah, so it's interesting. I think uh, this episode had the bubble gum and the popcorn and everything, but it also had a bit of a sense of, um, you know, putting some key pieces of the jigsaw in. Um, and that's very appreciated. Um, yeah, so overall, it, like, not a perfect episode. I thought some things were a bit goofy looking or could have been a bit better. But it was exciting and um, had some stuff that was really meaningful in it. Um, so thumbs up on that episode. All right, Bad Batch. Fucking hell, man. It was great. Um, I got to say, like, any complaints out the way first? A lot of the just like running around and shooting and getting shot at and blah, blah, blah. It, it gets a bit repetitive to me. And I actually, I just start to almost tune out when that stuff's going on. Because um, it just feels like, and this is um, ironic considering what happens in the second episode. But it feels like they never get hit. Like, it's just like, it's they're not in danger, actually. Um, so it's just like, whatever. But anyway. Um, yeah, just great atmosphere again in these episodes. Um, they are, you know, we're in, this is the, you know, the meaty stuff where we actually get the, the central story happening. Um, Got to mention, Director Krennic was in this board meeting with the Imperial officers. Fantastic. Super happy to see him. Um, people who could be bothered apparently looked at the credits and said that um, Ben Mendelsohn is credited with the, that one line that he gives. Uh, some people thought it's such a short thing. Maybe they just, maybe it's a, like an unused line from Rogue, the Rogue One sessions perhaps. Um, but uh, yeah, cool to see him. There's another um, officer there. Who, um, do you remember in Rogue One, there's this bald Imperial officer who's like, who talks to Tarkin? And he says something like, Director Koenig is on Scarif, is he not? And like, yes, sir. Or this guy, you know. I was like, is that, the guy, is that the bald guy who's in this meeting? Is it the same guy? I don't know. But great to see Mando. Um, I hope we see more of him. Really hope. And great to see Tarkin, always welcome. Um, Dr. Hemlock, great. Um, it seems like the fandom are reacting to him in the precise boo-hiss villainous way that you would hope. Uh, so he's great. But yeah, all right. Uh, but yeah, it was pretty surprising that, um, you know, well, I guess it did get set up. We get a very kind of cute little moment between Tech and Fee before they set out for this mi mission. Um, but sadly, Tech doesn't make it. Um, 
it was a good scene, really good. Um, we've had some good tech stuff this uh, this season in episodes that I personally didn't love, perhaps, but, you know, you did get to know him a bit better. Um, yeah, big moment for the show. Um, I think he will be missed. Will they have Echo come back, do you think? Be- or stick stay there? Because, I, I, I mean, I think Echo and Tech in some ways had a bit of a similar flavor to them. Um, so it was kind of good when Echo left because uh, I felt like the characters had a bit more definition to them. But who knows? Maybe he'll come back to fill that gap. Of course, you have to assume Crosshair's coming back somehow, some way to the gang. Um, that'll be interesting to see. But uh, yeah, cool that... Um, Yeah, they talk about retiring to Pabu, which is not surprising maybe, but it was good. But yeah, overall, really good. Uh, Music was good, visually excellent. Um, Yeah, I really like those ships that the... Like both those... um, The ones that kind of look like a Lambda-class shuttle, but with like a more like flat nose. Those are really cool. I love the V-wings. The more I see them, the more I like them. Yeah, so thumbs up. Badge batch, bad batch was great. Really good. All right. Um, I'm keeping it short today because I'm actually recording this in a uh, during a gap in my teaching schedule. So I have to kind of go and get ready to get back to teaching. Um, but uh, yeah, this was... Uh, it was a, a big day of Star Wars goodness, man. Um, three episodes, no less, in one day. Great. Um, oh, by the way, Star Wars related. Um, I've started watching Poker Face, um, which is a show basically put together by Ryan Johnson. He uh, is executive producing the series, but um, I'm only three episodes in. But he wrote and directed... No, I'm four episodes in. But anyway, he wrote and directed the first two, I believe. And it's just class man it's got natasha leone who is just a charisma bomb basically and um just really beautiful like visually it's like top tier tv really cleverly written great characters it is so good to see ryan johnson just out there kicking ass again and again um so i gotta say like People don't like The Last Jedi. Please express it in terms of this decision didn't sit right with me or whatever. But these dickheads ago, it's a terrible movie. It's it's not, man. Come on. But yeah, big recommendation there. I'm loving Poker Face. Kicks ass. All right. Um, yeah, it's nice because, you know, we've had some episodes of uh, the mandalorian this season that i was a bit like mm, just this was okay i guess you know um but this uh, today's episode maybe exci- made me excited for what the 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 next three will bring yeah all right uh hope you're good folks thanks for listening my name is tom sutton and this is star wars fun for everyone especially me